0: Welcome to Sibs. I'm Jay. I'm Josh
1: and I'm Devin. In this episode we explore the seen and unseen forces orchestrating money in a world heavy with greed and consumption. We contrast our patterns around spending against the natural desire for abundance, prompting the question, what is enough? The heat is out in my house. So is it basically I'm playing survivor in my own house. Yeah, it's fucking freezing. Yeah, wait, you I manifested up- that one. I did. Yeah. Promptly. It's 50 degrees in here. It's, it's just training. It's so brutal. I would fail. I saw that to Phil this morning. I was like, yeah, I, if I was on Survivor, I would fail. Luckily, they only do Survivor in warm locations, but also, like, if I was on alone, I'd be toast.
2: This girl that I work with got through the first round of applications and now she's in the second round. Uh, for alone? No. For survivor. Well, for survivor. Yeah. For alone.
0: Alone is, like, another one of those survival concept shows.
2: Oh, Alone. Oh, I thought you meant, a, like, A-Loan. Alone. <laughs> That's
0: sick. The bank approved her, man. She's pre-approved. That's sick. I want that. Uh,
1: well, I had conversations with each of you about potential topics.
0: did you? I don't remember sort what you told of. me.
1: Josh and I went off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Who do you yeah, think talks to who the most out of, like, uh, out of all the permutations? <laughs> you guys have been talking more lately, which is awesome. And lately.
1: Define, say, define lately.
0: I don't know. I just hear about it more.
2: Probably because of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, in my experience, I talk to Devin more. I text you more. Yes. I talk to Devin I was going to say, moment to moment.
1: Well, it's because you're not a phone guy, really.
2: Yeah. I know.
0: Yeah.
1: Like Josh, Josh and I can call each other up and just like, like ramble yeah, for forty five minutes. Like, store. not a
0: chance is Jay doing that. <laughs> yeah, well, just like too, it gets back to me just being an idiot about my time. think like, I was literally just going to say that. You know, being like, I don't think that's the right line ivory tower. To talk about your time. <clears throat> no, I'm an idiot about my time.
2: I'm a fucking <laughs> sure dumbass about my time. <laughs>
0: But I'm not like I'm not like that. I'm wasting time. It's that it's my whole like time scarcity thing. Yeah, but it's yeah that that runs deeper than we probably have time for today. What were the uh, what were the potential topics you guys were talking about? <laughs> so much.
2: <laughs> yeah, we talked about so many. <laughs> <laughs> God, where uh, to start? Now I liked one about about Devon's money fairy. I, I like, came up like with that. Yeah, that's a front runner. And then I just was like I did that? that Yeah, we <laughs> talk about that, honestly. I said that.
0: I've had some money fairy moments lately. That's what I think uh Really? Inspired me to text you, yeah. Like what? Well, because I got Caden on it. Well it's and like as soon as you, Yeah. Well as soon as you like just acknowledge the existence of the money fairy, she they start to like just like work in their way you know like i don't know where she was like yeah i like saved x dollars this month which is like significantly more than she typically has and i was like that's the money fairy man
1: Yeah, She's like
0: i have no the idea money. how it happened
1: the money fairy has entered the chat
0: <laughs> all right so obviously Devin, i think you gotta set the table with
1: <gasps> this is uh, so hard like i feel a lot of pressure
0: <sighs> no just when, did, then, like, when course, do you yeah, think they're... it started
1: years and years ago but then there's also that fear of like if I speak if I speak out the money fairy like if I reveal like so I like for some reason my money fairy which this is probably there's a lot to unpack but it's a he I would think huh. I guess like I doesn't feel like a she her situation doesn't feel right but probably at least
2: eight years. okay, okay. tell me when it, <laughs> when did it yeah like start? okay yeah well
1: here's how it all started. I was working at the yoga studio and that was literally all I was doing was I was working for like no money for the yoga studio. No. Well, maybe, yeah, a little bit, but it was mostly for Ohana. And I was probably pulling in like 35 G's and living like however I wanted to. (laughs) And I think it honestly came up, Jay, because you were like, "How are you affording this? Like, how is this uh-huh. possible?" <laughs> which led to me discovering and
0: personifying.
1: meeting personifying the money fairy, which I guess, if we had to define it, is like the, the presence of a like financial
0: <laughs> higher power, <laughs> ethereal <Yeah. laughs> being.
1: Which sounds ridiculous, but the truth of the matter is, like, it's not like I was just like able to buy a pair of jeans or something, right? I was like going to Bali for a month, and I was going to Eastern Europe, and I was traveling around, and I was like just living lar- large-ish, you know. And it's not like I was sinking myself into massive debt, so it kind of got me thinking, like, how is this happening? Because My actions like didn't seem to be aligning with like the actual numbers. And it's not like it was like extreme, but it was certainly curious. Like there was certainly a mystery at play, but here's the key thing about the money fairy. (laughs) The key thing is that the money fairy, which largely is a conversation about like, you know, abundance and money as an energy, as opposed to just like, you know, paper. Money fairy, I think has like an ability to Bend the space-time uh what do you call it the space-time continuum, uh, continuum. continuum where it's like you go to bed right and you have this idea in your head of like how much money is in your bank account and and then you wake up and something has been shifted and you can't quite place it because the money theory works <laughs> on a different dimension. Right? It's like it is that it's like what you just described. It's what you just described with Kate. It's like that moment of like wait, how did I save this? Like where, or, you know, that random thing that, like that random check that you get in the mail from your taxes three years ago, where it's like, oh, here's $400, we messed up, you know, or something like yeah. that. It's along those lines.
0: But it, in my observation, it feels like it's never like you go to bed with X dollars and you wake up with X plus $10. Like it feels like it isn't like,
1: no. tangible
0: like that it's more just this like cloak of totally that's that's satisfying a good one and desires
1: to be clear right to be clear it's not like a tooth fairy situation which is what you just described
2: <laughs> yeah right right, right.
1: <laughs> you don't go to bed and wake up with more dollars it's
0: and one less tooth <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's curious i mean that's what the conversation is about more broadly as money as an energy and as a true yeah. force in the world. Mm-hmm. And then the little fairies that can manipulate it. Yeah. That I may or may not have an intimate relationship with.
2: <laughs> and I think that like, I think that I can attest to the to, to the absence of a money fairy. <laughs> 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 because I tr- I've I think I've tried to live the life that I've desired and I have and I've come up short. <laughs> so oh, there's certainly yeah. there's certainly magic at play. Um and yeah, I'm just trying to rebuild the relationship with my money fairy because it's completely out of reach. <laughs> so I just need to I just need to wield it back in a little bit. And I do think it's a mindset. So I'm working on it. You definitely you definitely pissed
1: yours off at some point.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I probably took it for granted.
1: Ooh. That's a that's a fairy killer.
2: Taking things for granted is Mm -hmm. fairy poison. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: I don't know. I'd love to hear Jay's take on it.
0: I I think it's like I don't know. I have like a funky relationship with money, I think. I think my broader relationship is like I I don't, I'm not someone who's like disciplined with money necessarily. Like I wouldn't consider myself that way. Like I spend very freely, but I don't much check, like to make sure I have, like I'll never, I I never make decisions on like needs or desires based on like, if I can quote afford it, I like, I hate, I think that's like, I hate the word expensive and I hate like the concept of like, can I afford it? So maybe that's my version is like I always feel like there's
1: Yeah. There's just
0: walking around <laughs> there's just walking around money in there. Um, <laughs> no, I have money in there. Um Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't really much I try just not to think about it that
2: much really. But I feel oh, like I you doing. have built a a foundation that is right. like so strong that has allowed you to to spend freely. Like you were rigid at times. And now you're able to just yeah. fall back. Like, your, your, your autopilot financially is just super healthy, I think.
0: Yeah, but then, yeah, but that's kind of it, though. It's like, I feel like once you, like, set those guardrails, then my whole thing is, like, just, like, you know, there's always, like, going to be more coming in. But the whole, like, money is energy, I think it's so dangerous, though, because, like, it's so tough to, or how much our culture, I think, is so based on just, like, obviously money constantly and then it gets into this whole like when you get into like the self-help manifest manifest like that's one of the first things I mean even like I get caught in the trap of it like when it relates to this or other things like one of the first things when you think about your future is like Mm -hmm. having more money like that's one of the things that like automatically comes in at least for me like it's programmed into our like psychology that more money is always needed you know? And then I look back and I'm like, okay, why do I want more money? I want to live in an awesome space. I want to be able to be generous to those around me. I want to be able to, you know, buy the things I want and eat good food and, you know, save and then have a good foundation. then I look at my life and I'm like, I fucking already have all five, whatever of those things, Mm -hmm, you know? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's, like the money conversation, the money fairy conversation, I think is is really about like start starts at the question of like, what is your relationship to money? And like, what are your core beliefs surrounding it? Like, I feel like that's the yeah. first tier of the conversation. It's like, what is money to you? And we all have like a set of beliefs around it. Like that's just a part of our culture. It's a part of nurture, et cetera. So I think like establishing your relationship there is really important. And then also acknowledging that like at that tier of the pyramid, there's like a huge privilege conversation to be had as well. Right. So sure. recognizing that. And for me, it's like, well, you know, do you relate to money as an object? Or it can it be something a little bit different? Like how do you understand money really? You know, and personally Maybe. I don't view money as numbers on a page or line items or whatever. I think it's much, um, it's a currency obviously, but it's like a web of beliefs and values and, you know, of what you think you're capable of, what kind of value you think you can produce. And then of course, like how the world perceives that it's kind of, it's pretty complex. I think like we could spend a lot of time breaking it down and mapping out all of the, you know, elements of money as a force or an energy but generally speaking to keep it broader and simple for the time being I think it's just like how do you relate to money and what are your beliefs surrounding it so for me I think a lot of this is a lot of like the dad in me I just believe and this is privilege as well that money is going to be there even though at times of my life like there was a lot of money stress actually I kind of do believe like it's going to be there. So I think there's this like trust component and maybe it's not about believing that it's going to be there, but it's a belief that it can be. And then it's not Mm -hmm. out of reach. Um, And then I think things can happen from there because it is ultimately the belief that guides the action that guides the, you know, eventual reward. Does this make sense?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think like, It's complex, but it's also – it's just also very much a conversation about, like, deserving power and what you think you deserve. Like, and I think it's similar to that in, like, whatever our goals are, whether they're financial or, like, professional or relationships. Like, if – I think that's, like, a a foundation piece as well. Like, if you're constantly thinking, like, you deserve to be poor or your actions are aligned with you, like – you know, kind of being financially reckless, that's just what's gonna happen, right? But I think you're right, like, at the end of the day, it's like, do you feel like you could um, be in a position, and, and I think we've had this conversation too, like, okay, what happens when you do get like that extra check, or like you do find right. yourself with some, like, financial advantage, whatever it is, like, do you, do you like fall into instant gratification, or like, are you showing the universe that you can handle like a lot of money or, or a lot of currency, whatever it is? And and how are you kind of like, what what are you showing the universe that you're doing? with like Right, that?
1: right. I like this conversation because it gets a little bit like quantum-y, which is fun. Because I really do think, I, I think this is adding to your point, but and, and kind of just elaborating on my past one that I think it's just money always has to be a reflection of beliefs always, which is unfortunate or not, because a lot of times our beliefs are forced, right? Or conditioned into us, right? We are certainly told by the larger culture that we are entitled to this, right? And so like to some degree, like we have to factor that into like, that's the way that we make and we make money, right? Like that factors in. Um, Simultaneously, like all jokes aside, just believing in a money fairy and believing that maybe it's possible for money to work beyond just this like traditional sense of exchange, maybe that also is reflected.
2: Mm -hmm. We don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think everybody has a money fairy, right? Has your money? Yes. Has your money fairy said that? Shared that with you, or
1: <laughs> I think in theory. I think in theory you're totally right, but
2: I've and not maybe been told this. You have not. See, see. Now <laughs> I'm curious: Are there enough money fairies for each individual on Earth, or do money Is for it like America, a money fairies success
0: doing... rep, like they're kind of like <laughs> yeah. holding like yeah. a decent slate of like twenty to thirty clients, like Devin, pinties, like Devin's got the scooter touch.
2: Devin's yeah. got the scooter brawn of money fairies. Yeah. The best, the best in the biz.
1: I think it must work like that. I do.
2: Anyways, my point was everybody has a money fairy. And I think you are consistently building that relationship with, with them and or money every day.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the conditioning piece obviously is massive. I think it's interesting for us because we have two like pretty diametrically opposed money influences as parents, I would argue. One being very conservative and the other being maybe just call it even traditional and the other being very fast and loose. It'll be there. Who cares? Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's interesting is both perspectives do come with a decent amount of like stress chemistry, you know, like neither one to me is, is free from that. And I think it is like, I mean, as with anything, obviously, like the way we were raised, Money was a decent like stressor growing Mm -hmm. up, you know? Mm -hmm. And we, you know, were pretty much generally very privileged, wanted for nothing. And, but also like it wasn't nothing, you know, it wasn't anything like extravagant, no trips to Europe and stuff. But yeah, it's interesting because I think we all, obviously, like all three of us have some blend of like 60, 40. 50, 50, 80, 20, maybe for some of us. And that's the case, you know, obviously with, with everyone. It's just so fascinating, like how central it is, you know, to status, to identity, to like the way we understand ourselves. Like it is so like, why do you think that is like, why do you think our identities are so tied to money with, the caveat of like, and I've said this, I think on this podcast before, we're like under the like understanding that when you like get rich, it's like the oldest story ever cliche that you're not happy. You know what I mean? All the happiness studies of like, if you make over like 75 a year, then you're no happier than someone who makes 200. Like those, like, what do we make of that? Like Why is it so fundamental?
1: I think you can't separate that question. I think you have to look at the fact that our culture, it's, it's a culture thing and we're products of our culture to some degree. So our culture values has decided for all sorts of reasons that are another conversation that money is the most important thing. And therefore, we are raised and indoctrinated into that ideology. So if we are brought up in a culture, which is another way of saying, if your identity is formed within a culture where that is the highest value, it's a little bit inevitable. Right. So there's like a cultural component. But then there's like offshoots, I think, of why. First of all, why did the culture decide that money is the most important thing?
0: I think, you know, fundamentally it like traces back to currency, creates mm-hmm. access to goods and services, right. right? Like that's, and that really, you know, if you like trace it all the way back. I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there had to be, it, it's the, it, it is a way to, and I think I've said this before, like my overall take on this is like, You know, it's not anybody's fault. It's just like fascinating that we kind of ended up here. And I do think there have been bad actors throughout time that have instilled values and and virtues that are rotten at the core. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: it's like if you have a bunch of like beans and you're out there like tilling the fields or whatever, corn, and then you go into the town square and sell those things in exchange for your access to whatever, you know, your neighbor has. Like, mm-hmm. that's a structure. It's a fundamental structure of creating a, like, sustainable lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Not not sustainable in the terms of, like, environmental or whatever. It's just, like, sustaining your life, right? is like, access to these things. Um, right. I think when it maybe got a little bit where it gets messy is when it gets more into not core needs, but things, items that are, like.
1: Well, and. Yeah introduce, like, greed into the scenario, right? Because it's, like, in a perfect world, there's, like...
2: Greed has entered the chat. I was
1: just gonna... (laughs) It's, like, there's obviously... Like, it's just described in terms...
2: (laughs) I love when Devin learns about, like, some term, like, entered the chat. (laughs) (laughs) Like, six months late, too.
1: (laughs) Well, what's the fun in jumping on a buzz phrase at the time it's buzzy
2: that's what i'm saying I mean, that's how you live your life though
1: i know always six months late i think i think that there's nothing wrong with currency like you described it beans in the in the town square <laughs> there's nothing wrong with like a trade right where like these massive trade systems and all of that like barter, whatever was also a system the issue is when excess. Comes in when greed comes in, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden there's this concept of, oh, but what if you could have more than you actually need? Right. And I do think it's tough because it's like maybe there's also not something fundamentally wrong with enjoying a little more than you need. Right. Like we are here as human beings and we're capable of experiencing pleasure, which means that we're capable of living a life. That's beyond just survival. It's just tricky because this is where you can't really define that. How much is too much and how much is enough is always going to be subjective. Mm. And I think systems of control exploit that. And unfortunately, then you've got like racism and oppression that's applied and shaping that. And then everything just fucking spirals and gets really, really messy. But if we had to strip it down and, and like, you know, pair back to the fundamentals, I think it's like that conversation of greed and, and no one gets to tell me what's too much kind of thing, which is another way of saying is that at some point we start turning outward for fulfillment. We get lazy, right? Instead of doing like the inner work of finding fulfillment, that's actually sustainable. We get lazy and we're like, meh. I'm just going to allow this like gaping hole to stay in my inner body and then go look outside of me. Cause it is easier, right? It's easier to just like keep consuming clothes, food, whatever it is, than to stop
0: and like fill the hole. Yeah. Respect. That was a great take. I think, isn't like a greed conversation really a fear conversation? What are you smiling about over there, DOS? I don't know. <laughs> He's just happy to be alive. Yeah, I think that's where like I would imagine that's where like the that's the origination of greed is like fear of losing power, losing surplus. Well, zero. yeah.
1: Cause like once you have it, like once you've tasted abundance or you know, whatever you want to call it, pleasure of any kind, once you've tasted the life of having more than what you actually need, it immediately turns into, well, I don't wanna I don't want to not have that.
0: Yeah, and it's like That's like super, I get that, you know, like it does run. And I think that's like the dopest point you made around like how much is enough becomes very subjective. And I think it it definitely is this like self-reinforcing thing where like, if you're the one deciding that you can be fully victim to your desires and just Mm -hmm. chalk that up as, as your version of enough now.
1: Right. I think there's no one right approach here. Because we're all like money is at the end of the day, it's a tool. It's a force and it's an energy that we experience. It's like a mechanism for our growth. That's what I believe, right? So some of us are here to, I think, learn how to consume less. Like some of us are here to pare back and realize that We actually don't need the excess that we think we do in order to feel fulfilled. And others are here to learn like, Hey, actually I am a human being that also deserves to have an experience of um, living beyond survival mode. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with, I don't think like sitting down and and it's been in cultures forever. Right. Sitting down and having a feast. That's like kind of a nice little symbol of like, Mm-hmm. Is it necessary? Yeah, it's fucking necessary. You know, why not? Like, <laughs> I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with that. It's just that some of us, like, aren't here to learn that lesson, right? Some of us are here to learn that we deserve the feast, and other people are like, you don't need the feast, you know? So, Josh, what, Josh, what is your take on, uh, like, what lesson do you suppose you're learning, or what do you think about this? Money?
2: Oh, yeah, sure. Do you think about this generally? I mean... There's two conversations. One is like the lesson for me, and then two is what we're talking about in terms of what like what is money's position in evolution or society and why is it in that position. Well,
1: here's here's a more specific question. Okay. From your POV. What is the healthiest relationship to money?
2: I don't think I I don't think I have that nailed down yet. Because I just don't have personal experience with it. My, I have, a, I have an unhealthy relationship with money, but I do err on the side of what everybody is kind of speaking about here in terms of it is like energy slash how much you think you deserve abundance and that type of lifestyle and, and mm-hmm. everything that we've talked about. I don't view it as like, I, I don't think like the scarcity mindset or constantly looking at your budget is, is the right way. But yeah, I don't know. I struggle with this one. Why? because i just it's like one that i just haven't i haven't been good at and it's it's like taken me a long time to like it's it's kind of complex because i you know i think i've like i don't know if i've ever really given it a good shot because i've always felt like i've had a safety net which is like not not the best but you could argue in some ways that's healthy but i think that i've probably abused it to a point where it's like no longer healthy or no longer serving really anyone It's just, uh, it's a, it's a toughie. So I don't know.
1: It is tough. I mean, I think that's like such an important part of the money conversation though, is that it's complex because it's connected. It is connected to survival in this world. So it's inherently emotional because like it can trigger like real fears. So it's not really just as simple as like a healthy relationship. I don't know. Like it gets kind of, Um, it's serious, I guess. And then simultaneously, like, it can be play, right? So you can play with money, but you also need money to survive. And so it's, like, this very strange
2: force. I just think, like, I think the interesting thing to me is that, like, I will buy – it's not like what I do with my money is, like, go buy, like, a bunch of alcohol. Sometimes I'll buy clothes, but I really don't think I buy clothes at a ridiculous like clip. Like I think I I buy like, you know, a clothing item or two each paycheck or something like that. But where I get caught is like sometimes like I'll just uh I mean, I can't actually see like this is great for me because I can't explain why I'm so fucking bad with money. <laughs> it's it, this comes so, fucking, can, it comes down to fucking it comes down to DoorDash. It's DoorDash? <clears throat> yeah. But but what my point was, was like what I think we all do, which is like I'll spend money on like a really dope book that is going to like fucking improve (laughs) my consciousness or I'll buy like a supplement. And it's like I don't have – my reality is that like, yes, I deserve to have this supplement. I deserve to like be at this level even though I can't afford it. But I still like, I should be on this supplement, or I should be eating this food, or I should be Mm
1: -hmm.
2: doing this social experience. Like, there's no, when I make those decisions, it's like, because there's no other option. (laughs) It's just fucked, but interesting to unpack, you know?
1: Well, we can use money. We can use money to manipulate ourselves and deceive ourselves. Like, for example, when I struggled with money a lot in my like let's call it mid twenties, my go-to was denying money, ignoring it and uh, pretending like it was bad. Right. I heard this really great thing once. I can't remember. It was a couple of years ago. Oh, maybe it was at this like retreat. I was at, I can't remember. Anyway, someone was like, pretend like money is your significant other, your boyfriend, like pretend like money is your boyfriend. How do you treat, how do you treat them? And I was literally like, I pretend like it doesn't exist. I ignore it. And I think it's wrong all the time.
2: <laughs>
1: mm. And I realized, wow, that's like super fucked, you know? Oh, that's not healthy. So I'm curious, Josh, like if money, you know, if money was your girlfriend, <laughs>
2: <All> <laughs> basically right.
1: you'd, be, you'd be letting it do, like letting her do whatever she wanted. Unhinged. Yeah. I mean, what what is that? Like, what is it? Do you think?
2: <laughs> um, yeah, it's like letting it's like letting her do whatever she wanted every single, all the time, and occasionally reeling it in. But then, like, and then like folding and like letting her be like, "No, you can do that. You can go do that."
0: Well, like, but I think like the underlying. Yeah, like, the underlying thing is, like, you're letting her do whatever she wants, and she's also, like, coming home and beating your ass. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Because that's the thing that I think has been so fascinating about. And first of all, Josh, like, this isn't any, like, excuse of whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I think you can give yourself the grace of, like, I think a lot of people in the world are having similar journeys with this as you are. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't singular like this is something that people navigate all the time right so like coming at this from the perspective of like you know this could be helpful but I think what's interesting is like there's an undercurrent of knowing you know I think it is like the instant gratification piece you know what I mean so it's like how do you trade off that's where like this becomes a little bit broader conversation connects back to Devin's Issue of like filling whatever void, because if there is this like gratification of what even if it is this positive, net positive force, like a book or a supplement or whatever, there is still instant gratification in that. Coupled with that though, is this like underbelly of guilt or disappoint self disappointment or self-loathing or like lack of dis you know what I mean? So it's like, what is the price, the actual price you're paying? for making financial decisions. And this isn't again, I've moved this off of you personally. Like, because I think this is, you know, we live in a world where like, look at these economic reports, like people are maxing out credit cards all the time. You know what I mean? And like our ability, the entire credit market is built on spending money you don't have. So like, what is, what is that tension? You know what I mean? Because people know at some wow. level that they shouldn't be spending or that they don't have that. Um, but it's, it gets so complex because it's like, it really comes down to the individual value of a given purchase. But it's, a, uh, it's so, you know what yeah. I mean?
2: You've done you, that forever, just.
0: Do you I have this
2: cough? <laughs> I like, so I'm like a raspy old. Yeah, you, you have both to it. You guys like stretch out your neck. Well, it's, a way to, like, it's kind of a way to
0: stop the cough. I know. I weird. know, but you do it all the time. No, man, but you do it when, it when you like, don't
2: even have a cough. When I
0: don't even have a cough? I don't know if I do, dude.
2: I <laughs> think that. I think that money is, like, one of the best – one of humans' best, like, vehicles for exploring patterns and having their patterns just, like, thrown right back mm. at them. Because I think sometimes with money what I'll do is I will – Like be like, yep, I'm like doing well, and then I'll and I'll fail, and maybe it's not even up to me. Like maybe like I just got hit with a expense that was truly unpredictable, and then I'll like be back, you know, in fight or flight, and I'll be like, here I am again. Like I can't, I can't figure it out. Like and it'll just be me looking for. It'll be like some form of self sabotage, um, proving that, proving that to myself.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think it's all, I mean, I think it's, a, it's all a mirror, just like relationship, just like work, you know, I'm sure there are so many theories about like what the fundamental forces are that like, govern our humanity. To circle back to a recent conversation we had, I think it's just a, a dis- it's just a great distraction. That's it. You know, I think it's just another, I think it's a really strong distraction and a really strong it can be used as a really strong drug and it's back to the sitting alone in a room for an hour thing like we don't want to do that so it's like well I'm gonna go buy something that I can't really buy or I'm going to go do something with money and whatever but you know it's not just that because you could also like go out and hang out with your friends as a form of distraction
2: so that costs money (laughs) (laughs)
1: but it doesn't have to. So that's why I'm trying to figure out like what specifically money is about. Like um, I do think actually, I do think it is connected to the identity thing where we use money to like build this identity, even if we don't have it.
2: I don't know if it's that it's, it's complex because it's individual and it's collective. Like money is, has forever like, created separation in society, which is just, like, what we've proved to be our model. And it's one of the strongest things that, like, creates status and creates, like, the pursuit of superiority and then, like, feelings of inferiority, right? So, like, it's just always this, like, oh, I can make more money and what would my life look like then? And I think it's just, like, one of those things that – I don't know. I think it's hmm. just going to always be there, whether it's money or not. Because the interesting thing is money's like it's, it's made up like a dollar bill. It, do, it doesn't mean anything. I'm reading this book about how like all issues are interpersonal issues since everybody's around us and we have like a barometer of what success looks like and what like he's doing or what she's doing. Like that's the root of all of our like challenges is essentially are we superior or are we are we inferior and i think it's kind of interesting and i think money is a big part of that conversation
0: i think it's hard to have this conversation and not talk about so like i know there's that book cast or whatever that that digs into some of this Mm -hmm. stuff but like so class has been here for millennia right it's so hard for me to not view this from like the lens of like advertising though. And the fact that like the fundamental basis of advertising is aspiration. Right? It is showing someone that is better looking, cooler, more shredded than you using this thing so that you think if you get that thing you will be that, right? That is the like Common thread through all of advertising. So, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I don't want to like blame advertising and marketing for the source of the problem, but to what degree has that shift and call it like, you know, mid 1900s and being able to scale that into living rooms across the world via like television and then social and all these things we don't have to go there? It, It feels like it just put this status this like core weakness of human nature and identity on
2: steroids.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's like, but that's, I agree. It's, it's a part of the conversation, but it's hard to like unpack everything. Cause that feels like, like, that feels like a conversation about advertising and consumption. I feel like for what we've discussed thus far about money, like you have to be able to safeguard yourself against those forces. It, like, Yeah, to have a to have a healthy relationship with money and yourself.
0: Yeah, I think to reset or try again, I think it's interesting that we had this whole conversation without like attacking that like consumption angle, which we won't do today. Mm
1: -hmm. But it
0: is this like you mean, that's this like broader layer. Um, yeah,
1: I think we kind of addressed it because it was like the yeah. identity. The identity right. thing. Like We aspire to attain this identity. It's actually not really about the money necessarily. Like if there was mm-hmm. another way to get there, we would do that instead of money. Right. So the right. money just becomes the mechanism. Mm-hmm. And to Josh's point, it's like the degree to which we really think that consumption is going to bring us fulfillment is naturally the degree to which we're going to have issues with money since money is the medium of all of that currently right like if it was another if like i said if it wasn't money it was something else then we would abuse that something else in order to right but i think people who so it depends i think this is so so interesting i'm just thinking like
2: Devin, well, didn't gonna, have. Well, jay going to Show me your money, fairy. <laughs>
1: Look. Do you <gasps> see him?
2: Yeah, yeah. Put him, away. put him away.
1: Oh man. Sorry, Jay. I, I didn't know he's <laughs> that small. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? He's a fairy.
2: I know, but I thought like, I thought maybe he was gonna perk over your shoulder or something, like and be like this big.
1: You. No, I hate that.
2: I'm thinking like fairy, like fairy godparents.
1: No, see, this is just like where we're different. I'm thinking like Sambelino, which you probably don't even remember, like tiny little fairy.
2: Fairly, fairly odd parents, yeah.
1: Anyway, I think I think that the point where this conversation turns into a conversation about consumption is a whole another deal. Yeah. Long story short which is yeah. where we're, tre- which is where we're trending. So like future conversation is the role potentially is, is consumption in the money and the role that money plays and the way that consumption will convince us to abuse money, mm-hmm. right? Like consumption is so our desire for consumption and those aspirations that you spoke of are, can be so strong that we will, we will abuse money. We will abuse relationships, all of the things that actually we need to survive so I think it's a conversation of in order to consume, we will actually harm ourselves, whether that's through money or manipulation or abuse or whatever.
2: Yeah. But we make it sound like there's so much work to be done with money and like maintaining that relationship. And I think that's just curious, right? Like, because if we were to rank like the three to five things on a daily basis that we're, consciously trying to maintain or like sustain that relationship with. Like I think for you guys it's probably your partner. I think for all of us it's probably work. I think for all of us it's probably physical body health. And then for all of us, you know, mental spiritual health with like a meditation. I don't know if I'm missing anything. Do you feel so my my question is is like we, we talk so much about this and it sounds kind of um fatiguing or it sounds like a lot of work but ultimately like is how you treat your relationship with your partner like similar to how you you know treat money similar to how you treat your relationship with work and like we're kind of we have one mindset or one collective value or belief system that's kind of applying across Mm -hmm. the board Or is it true? Isn't that kind of interesting to unpack? Because I do think actually money is one of those curveballs that has a specific relationship and it's super like, I think we inherited some habits around money from childhood. I mean, maybe I think all everything
0: you said, the interesting thing is like minding those other relationships is purely a function of having enough money to do that. You know what I mean? Like if we're like, Put yourself in a position where you have no cash in the bank. You wake up and your number one goal is to get money. It has to be. It's a vehicle for survival at that point, you know? So it's like, if there's a relative
1: I don't know how true that is. Like to a certain degree, like there's like a baseline
0: that needs to be attained.
1: But beyond that, Mm -hmm. it's completely.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Right. I guess maybe it wasn't a good point, but you know what I mean? But that's what's interesting is it is a variable that like unlocks.
2: That's just like a math. Whether or
0: not. Conversation. Mm -hmm. Cause even if you're struggling with money, like in a way maybe that you've verbalized today, Josh, like that's still a level of like freedom that Mm -hmm. is like really high compared to a lot of people.
1: Beyond like the, Hierarchy of needs once you pass that first level of like having your most fundamental needs met, that's where I think we can start saying things like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Except that Mm -hmm. I also don't really think it's that simple. So I think like maybe in your life you have a theme of let's say avoidance, and that avoidance can show up differently across the board. So I don't think that just because you um, avoid your partner doesn't mean that therefore you avoid money. I just think like if that's the theme and the lesson that you're currently working through as a human, then those themes can show up differently across the board, right? Like there's lots of variations. So I don't think it's as simple as how you do one thing is how you do everything.
2: I mean, I just think it's interesting though, being, being in the position that I am in right now. I think we, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't brought up like addiction and we haven't brought up like physiology to any extent, because I think like, to me, I'm, I'm in a position where I've like limited dough to we get paid and I'm like, and, and I'm being kind of pretty transparent here, but like, A, I'm like, oh, here I am again. And it feels like I'm back in this stressed physiology that I've fucking been in so many times before. So am I, like, addicted to this physiology? And that's what I'm talking about when I share that, like, um, it's that there's, like, this self-sabotage involved, and I think it's almost mm. like what a alcoholic must feel like when they're like, oh, fuck, like, here I am drinking again, <laughs> like, and my life is unmanageable, right. right? So how much of it, and I mean, I think that it's really tough because it's super personal and super subjective around, you know, is... Um, it's how I experience my challenges with money similar to like how somebody else might, you know, like, and what is that physiological state that they are um, that they kind of lock themselves into, right? Because what if I was like a father or something, right? Then there's like a lot more pressure and a lot more on the table.
1: Well, this is the thing though, is again, like even if it's money or if it's alcohol, that's the thing that you're using, yeah. It's the tool in order to have the image, have the status, have the wealth, you know, like the hoarding, whatever, whatever it is. That's like, I'm not saying either any of those apply to you. I'm just saying in general, we value the thing so much that we're willing to abuse, right? The money, the alcohol, the substance, the person, the whatever, It's like a larger thing that we want and we're convinced is going to save us. So then we, that's where I think the addictions come into play or the whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's so hard sometimes to have these conversations because it's like we tackle these big themes. Right. But a lot of times it's like these themes aren't like, I think we need to just be realistic that we can only ever chip away at something. Right.
2: Or like, I think like, I think sometimes, I mean, I think there's times to completely, like, unravel a societal construct, and then there's times to acknowledge the societal construct and mm-hmm. think about what our best shot at being healthy and mindful. Working and within consci- it. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Because I think both of those existing in two, one conversation is really hard.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And it's something yeah, that I'm actually kinda... trying to work on. It's, like, yeah. not not unraveling social constructs and just like trying to cut all that and being, okay, this is the playing field. How can I play in it?
1: You know? I think there's like a, there's a meeting in the middle of that too, though. It's like sometimes you have to unravel it a little bit in order to figure out like what is the healthiest way for you or the healthiest approach. I just think as we move forward, you know, like in these conversations it's just important for us and for obviously listeners to just like, I think this is natural though. Isn't this what we do? Like you meet a friend and you, you, have coffee and you like dive deep on this one facet of like such mm. a larger, I don't know. I guess I just find it interesting mm-hmm. that this is like how our brains work. It's just a web, you know? And it's like yeah. one thing opens up another thing, opens up another thing.
2: Can you share maybe one or two final notes on how somebody could um, get their money fairy back Okay. in
1: action? Number one, number one. You have to believe in the money fairy. That's like basic.
2: Okay. What does that so look like? That's achieve- the whole thing though. That's the whole thing. That's what we talked about actually. So what is believing? So now share what is believing and the money fairy look like? Because I can't just go to bed tonight and be like, I believe in the money fairy. And then.
1: Well, it depends on like what does, like we talked about it. What does the money fairy symbolize? It symbolizes that maybe money works in mysterious ways that transcend the everyday time and space continuum. The Money Fairy like doesn't operate. <laughs> on those that
2: was so well levels. that was so well put. It's ridiculous. I know. Uh, <laughs> I know.
0: The presentation was <laughs> first class.
2: Like that's like so literally that's what you one. find in the dictionary for Money Fairy. Okay. Yeah.
1: And you have to so like that's the will it's the willingness to believe that. Money doesn't work in checks and balances. Number two, because you asked for two tips, right?
2: I said one to two, but yeah.
1: Oh, I think we should maybe just start there.
2: I think that the money fairies of like
1: sorry, I have to cut you off because I had a real money fairy experience <laughs> this week. So this is tough, but I this I still consider a money fairy situation because we were on our way back from Costa Rica and we had tickets to leave at like two thirty. And we were going to fly to Houston and then we were going to fly to Denver. And this was like a long day of travel. We weren't going to land until 10.30 PM. And we had like a two and a half hour layover in Houston. It was just like a gnarly day, right? So we show up at the airport. We got there way early. So we were going to have to sit in this airport for three and a half hours. And we walk up. It's like 11 o'clock. And the guy's like, where are you going? And we're like, we're flying to Denver through Houston. He's like, oh, did you know? That we have a direct flight going to Denver starting today, and I was like, "No, I didn't know that." He was like, "It's also wide open. Would you like me to change your flight?" I was like, "For free?" He was like, "Yeah, no problem." (laughs) Throws us all four of us on the new flight, and and I said, and then I said, "This is like a double money fairy." I said, "Well, also I would pay more for extra leg room because we'd really like that." So, do you have anything? He's like well, I'll just throw you in the emergency aisle. No problem. No cost. Like crazy instances of like, first of all, I would have paid, I'm not kidding. Probably minimum. I probably would have paid at least $200 to get on that better flight. So to me, that's like the money fairy giving me $200 and I would have paid 30 to 50, probably 30 bucks for leg Anyway. So these are things. These are things.
2: These are the questions. (laughs) Yeah, your money fairy just had, like, that flight attendant in a fucking headlock. Just, like, give her the... <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's balls in a vice grip.
2: Uh, whatever.
0: I will. I think it needs balls to be a Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I really felt bad about that one. I just...
2: I just, like... Sometimes I'm like, where the hell do you really get need these? To
0: things? <laughs> um... I will say, Josh, in closing that I do very much respect your journey and respect your latest activity around this topic it's important, you've addressed it you're doing the work, it's hard it's shitty, it's annoying
2: but matters, guys